lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you would like to join us, we'd love to hear from you today. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and then free speech alternatives to Facebook like Gab, MeWe. Look for us there. Follow us on Parler at Steve Dace and over on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And I want to mention this again because I would say 10 to 15% of my emails, God bless you, are people asking me, can you send me the link to this or the link to that that you guys put in uh, your montage yesterday, this about COVID, that. Folks, I don't have time to do that. I don't have the staff for that. That's why you want to follow us on Parlor at Steve Dace. That's the one place you can be guaranteed everything COVID that we do is linked there on Parlor at Steve Dace. If you're looking for clips of the show that you would like to share or sample, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace, and then also uh, rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. We have a jam-packed Tuesday for you. One week from today, we will mark the one-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the curve. That began on March 16th, 2020. Jennifer Cabrera from a website all of you should know, uh, Rational Ground, will be joining us to take a look back and a look ahead in the battle for sanity. Uh, We'll do that here at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, for fake news or not, what happened in Newsmax? Their ratings have gone down 51%. In the last couple of months. Is that is that bad? It's not good. It's not if you're the program director or Christopher Ruddy at Newsmax, it wouldn't be who owns it. It wouldn't be considered good. Uh, I have a theory as to what has occurred there. I'm going to run it by the two of you because I think it's also something that is a threat to really conservative media in general. And you guys are going to tell me, is my theory fake news or not? Okay. We'll discuss that because I think it's a cautionary tale, not just for those over there, but maybe for any of us that are trying to to challenge the Overton windows of big tech, big media, uh, legacy media, etc. Uh, and then for Pop Culture Tuesday, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, you're going to want to skip this week's Pop Culture Tuesday until you do. We're going to get into the season or series finale for WandaVision. And what we think it may or may not mean for the future of the MCU. One thing, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. And I'm sure we'll talk about it when the time comes. And and I'm, I'm sure they will check their woke boxes in the future. But for all of the talk that came from Marvel itself, that this is absolutely where it's going to go in the future. A lot of its announcements have been along those lines. The very first thing it launches a post- Avengers uh, universe with its next phase is a series about a, a, a woman's deep, deep grief that she never, ever got to marry the love of her life, who's of the opposite gender, kind of, uh, and settle down with him in a home in the suburbs and have babies. Did you guys pick up on that? Yep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for all the... And... and, and, and 
this show could not have been less woke. I mean, I don't even think there was anybody in there that hit anything on any form of an intersectionality scale whatsoever. Um, I, just a fascinating way for them to launch the the post-Avengers universe where they've been saying, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. And the very first salvo that they come out with could not have been a more, um, in, in terms of the the values at, at, the, at the forefront, could not have been more traditional. So we'll get into all of that and more. Also in my inbox right now are emails from several of you asking a question that other people are asking, people that have big platforms, Trying to make sense of, all right, so on one hand, God bless him, Donald Trump is going, is is raising the ground, R-A-Z-I-N-G, raising the ground of the Republican National Committee. He's going scorched earth, sending him cease and desist letters, stop using my name, image, and likeness in your fundraising. The RNC is, is firing back, hey, you were a public official, it's the First Amendment, we can do this. Trump's response is, Hey, I'm going to put out another statement telling my base not to give any money to you people ever again. Now, that, that's the Hulk smash. We're all here for that. I think I can speak for the three of us. We would be here for that, correct? On some level, at least. It's justice working its way out. Yeah. But then, this is now, yeah. I mean, I guess Tim Scott's okay. Not okay for South Carolina. Y'all could do a lot better than that, you know, but we've got worse U.S. senators than Tim Scott. Okay. He's not terrible. He's not great. He's not good enough for South Carolina. So we'll let that one slide. But um, this is now the second U.S. senator that Trump has endorsed that implicated him, criticized him for his alleged role in the January 6th worst insurrection ever. And, And a lot of you, I see it in my social media in my inbox, you're trying to make sense of this. I have a theory and I have a piece of information that lends me to this theory of how you reconcile these two things. And no, I, th- I think it goes beyond the randomness of Trump. And I actually do think, I don't think it's four-dimensional chess, but I do think there's a plan. I'm going to be discussing that later today in the overtime after the show And the main reason we're putting it in the overtime is I'm confident enough in my information to posit this as a theory, but I'm not quite confident enough yet to put it out there in the general population, right? And that's what the overtime is. It's the laboratory of democracy, right? And so if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, if you want to get the jump on a developing story, maybe, or... Just laugh at me later. Um, You'll be able to watch it. We'll record the overtime for you right after the program today. And then it'll be uploaded for you to watch later today at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, if you want to watch, but you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, blazetv.com slash dace is also where you can go to become one and get a discount at blazetv.com slash dace. Now, with all of that out of the way, of course, before we press on, We must begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Today in Coronavirus History. A look back at some of the great leaps in science brought about by the virus. A year ago, Dr. Anthony Fauci said this on 60 Minutes. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. 
you're sure of it because people are listening really no, closely to this. Uh, right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. On this exact day a year ago, Dr. Fauci said this. I think if you're a healthy young person, that there is no reason if you want to go on a cruise ship to go on a cruise ship. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, when was the last time you heard about the dangers of asymptomatic spread? The White House announced yesterday they'll be positively commemorating the beginning of one of the most depressing years in modern American history. The president will deliver his first primetime address uh, to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the COVID-19 shutdown on Thursday. Melissa DeRosa is a top aide for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. She was the one who first admitted to Democrat lawmakers in New York the governor's office had been hiding and obfuscating the truth about what really happened in New York nursing homes. Last night, she tweeted out an op-ed from the New York Daily News headlined, We were right to laud Cuomo. Don't let scandals distract from pandemic competence. In Michigan, the prosecutor for Macomb County announced yesterday criminal charges could be in the works against Governor Gretchen Whitmer over putting COVID-positive patients in nursing homes during the pandemic. Peter Lucindo says those who lost loved ones to COVID as residents or staff inside nursing homes need to get pertinent information regarding the circumstances of their death and take it to the local police to make a complaint as a wrongful death. Why did my mom or why did my dad, why did my brother, sister, uncle, aunt die? Was it because of the policy by bringing in COVID-infected patients that spread to my mom that killed my mother? CNN headline, vaccinated Americans allowed to taste freedom. Yes, the CDC announced yesterday, if you're vaccinated, you can visit other vaccinated people indoors without a mask or social distancing. Learning Arabic today, today's phrase is, the dog ate my vaccine passport. Speaking of the CDC, one of their more recent studies found 78% of people who have been hospitalized, needed a ventilator, or died from COVID-19 were overweight or obese. Moving on, Joe Biden can't remember the Pentagon or who his Secretary of Defense is. I want to thank you both, and I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him General, but my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the Secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we just talked about, and for recommending these two women for promotion. The New York Times went to the trouble of interviewing Missouri Senator Josh Hawley's high school prom date, as well as his middle school principal for a hit piece they ran on him. And finally, anti-racism training with J.P. Sears. I hate white people. And after I took Coca-Cola's anti-racism training, I became really inspired to help make the world a better place. Fact. All white people are racist. I'm not a racist. Being unwilling to see that you're racist is a sign of racism. I don't know. I love black people. <laughs> Loving black people is just another sign of racism. Your white fragility keeps you from seeing it. After studying Robin DiAngelo's work, I learned only white people can solve problems for minorities. Because minorities are too weak. So they need the superiority from white people to help them rise up from the oppression caused by white people thinking they're superior to them. Be less white. Some people get confused by what that means. First, their confusion is a sign of racism. Second, being less white is all about not being as white. It's as simple as that. So like white people should be like black people. But because that'd be cultural appropriation, they should also not be like black people. 
at the same time. And that's what happened while we were away. Makes perfect sense. And this Joe Biden tribute to the 25th Amendment brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar you've ever had and the healthiest candy bar you will ever eat. In fact, you're not going to be able to tell the difference. That's how good it is, especially if you try the, the new decadent flavors they have. The chocolate chip cookie dough, the coconut brownie chunk, every one of their 20 plus flavors, all covered in real chocolate, 160 calories or less up to 20 grams of protein in every bar, five grams of carbs or less in every bar. So whether it's carbs, sugar calories, overall calories that, you, that you're involved in to live healthier, you can't do any better than Built Bar. And you can right now use my name, Dace, to get a big discount on your first or next if you want to come back for second or thirds, your next order as well. When you go to builtbar.com, B U I L T for builtbar.com and use my last name days to get 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, let's go to Aaron's montage. Um the idea of Cuomo's competency as the New York Daily News was arguing, or one of his aides was um, arguing in the New York Daily News. Uh, This story broke earlier today from Fox News. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration ordered homes for people with developmental disabilities to accept coronavirus patients and never rescinded the order. The April 10th directive, which mirrored the Cuomo administration's controversial order to nursing homes, also told homes for people with developmental disabilities that they could not require hospitalized residents to be tested for coronavirus prior to admission or re-admission. 552 residents at homes for people with developmental disabilities ended up dying of coronavirus. More than 6,900 people out of the more than 34,552 who live in such residential homes have been infected with the virus. People with disabilities. The elderly. There's a trend line here. Where, can you guys think of anything in history where people with disabilities, the elderly... Any ideologies or anything you can think of where people, you know, to whom, um, uh, to each according to his abilities, for each according to his needs, you know, anything at all, um, where there have been attempts or uh, flat out maneuvers uh, in order to discard such people in times of crisis because they've essentially outlived their usefulness. Because I got to tell you, nothing's kind of coming to mind for me right now. And I, I normally have a very prodigious memory, but this sounds like a vaguely familiar train of thought, a very, a no. vaguely familiar process, but I just can't wrap my mind around it. I got nothing. You guys, nothing? No. Yeah, I got nothing either. Can I get back to you with my final solution later yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. Hey, circle back to me with that yes. final yeah. solution for me, if you would. Um, I mean this this is this is a ghoul. This is demonic. I mean of course don't teach don't or don't test the the people in the developmental home. 
We're not going to do anything to help them if they've got it anyway. We've got other pressing needs. They're not that important. Unless this is part of a, let's call it, five-year plan, there's nothing with any aptitude of competency about Andrew Cuomo's COVID-19 governance whatsoever. In fact, throughout the annals of Western civilization, the truth of the matter is we have executed public servants who have this kind of a record. Yes, we executed them. We treated them like the murderers that they were. We didn't write or be quoted in major metropolitan newspapers about their aptitudes of competency. Over the years, we've hung a lot of people for war crimes who also made claims of aptitude for competency. That was a lot of the claims they made too. And then we hung them from the neck until they died because there was a higher law than your aptitude for competency. Like, don't murder. There was a higher law. At this point, I hope he hangs on. I, I don't believe that he will. But, if, if we're not gonna, if the only justice is a removal from office, and not a throw him in the hole and throw away the hole because that's what he deserves. So if we're not going to get real justice and the only justice is they just get rid of him from office, that's not good enough. I hope he then stays forever. Like a millstone around their necks. And every time they try to come at us with anything, we just, we just hang them with it. Now, my first priority would be real justice. But if we're not going to get that, if we're just going to get some form of a political removal, then no, man, I hope he stays there forever as a reminder of the heart of darkness, of the spirit of the age we're really up against, that this isn't theoretical. We're not just pontificating on a podcast. This is a living, breathing example of this. This is real. And when in power, and when they don't think they have to be accountable to any form of real or substantive opposition, this is how these people behave. And this is what they will do if given that kind of power without any accountability. The word you're looking for here is evil this is this is evil you have any thoughts well there really is no more important word it, beyond word concept for people to embrace than that word because it's loss I mean, we're, this is in Kevin Spacey, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing people he didn't exist. Mm -hmm. That Look at what we've become without that. 
Now, an overabundance of worrying about devils can go in a different direction, and we've been in that place in history, but we ain't close to that right now. We are on the opposite side of that. We either have to come to terms with the fact that it is running rampant, and it's not just a figment of our imagination. It is as real as it gets. Or this game called America is just simply over. Full stop. I think in the fog of war that the last year has been, um, for all of us in America, all of us, at least on team reality, where there was a, a battle taking place, a war being waged in terms of information, I, I think you could go to the place of, you know what, it was early on in the pandemic, nobody knew what they were doing. Um, if that's your defense for Andrew Cuomo, you know, this is bad, he shouldn't have done this, but, you know, cut him some slack. Uh, no. One, at what point is it ever a good idea to send people into an area uh, with tons of healthy people who are infected with with a disease. We didn't do that. I mean, we, we did our best throughout human history to quarantine the sick. Secondly, just last week, a year ago last week, or maybe it was even the week before, uh, when I go and I look back through headlines for today in coronavirus history, we knew before even the 15 days to slow the spread. We knew um, really mid-February at the latest who this virus really attacks. Yes, we did. And it's the elderly. We knew that going in. We knew that before lockdowns. We knew that before the masquerade. We knew that before stay-at-home strategies. We knew that before protecting the... Well, there was no protecting the elderly in New York. So amidst the fog of war, one, there's some people that I think would would be willing to cut the slack because nobody knew what was going to happen. I reject that. You should too. Secondly... Amidst the fog of war, people like you and me watching this, we forget what Steve just said. And based on what I just said as well, we knew who were at risk. We've never, ever in human history thought it was a good idea to send infected people into areas with uninfected people. That was done anyway. And as Steve said, that's the definition of evil. And the reason it just the icing on the cake as well. If it wasn't evil, why were they trying to cover it up? That's right. We went from shout your abortion to quick shred the records. Why? Why? Because they know. They know. They know what this is. The, 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 the uh, you know, look back, the historical look backs on coronavirus where Anthony Fauci is concerned are so instructive, what Aaron is doing there. I want to add further perspective to what Aaron put in that montage. So on this date last year, March 9th of last year, Anthony Fauci stood up in the White House Surrounded by a bunch of medical intelligentsia, including former CDC director Robert, this cloth mask will protect me more from coronavirus than the vaccine will. Redfield. 
an appropriately named character, by the way. If you've ever read Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Redfield character ends up in an insane asylum, eating bugs and assuming he can carry on their, take on their characteristics by draining them of their life force. You know, just flat earth voodoo, occult junk science. That's essentially what our CDC has been for the better part of the last year. And he stood up there on this date a year ago and said, yeah, I mean, enjoy spring break. Go on your cruise ships. In 48 hours after he did this, on March 11th, Anthony Fauci is going to testify before the U.S. Congress. Let me just put this all in perspective. On this date last year, Anthony Fauci stood up at the White House and said, go on a cruise ship, man, if you're healthy. Enjoy your vacay. Spring break. 48 hours later, he is going to go testify before the U.S. Congress that this is essentially the end of the world. It's Captain Trips. We're going we're gonna to kill at least 10% of the, of the people infected with it. I'm sorry, 10, no, I'm sorry, 10 times more people than the flu kills. My bad. I want to make sure I get that right. How, how, do, you def, how do you reconcile that? What did he learn in two days? What did he learn? And if you were an individual in a doctor's office and got those differing opinions from the same doctor within that period of time, yeah. you would have called him a quack. quack. Yet guys, here- guys, during the 15 days to flatten the curve, Debbie Burks got on a phone call with a bunch of conservative leaders, several of whom I know, and proceeded to tell them everything we now know and acknowledge about the virus, who's vulnerable, who's not, what the reco- what kind of recovery rate it would be, and then proceeded to spend the rest of the year doing tours around the lock it all down, bedazzle your face shield. I, I I don't I can't make sense of that. Quack is the kindest description we could come up with because it's either that man or it's something sinister we don't know and maybe don't want to. Seriously, last year on the 1st of April, Debbie Burks got on the phone with a bunch of conservative leaders around the country on behalf of the White House. And everything that she said about the virus, we now know to be true, which means she knew this information last April. But yet she proceeded to enslave the country to her beloved IHME models for another several months anyway. On this date a year ago, Anthony Fauci said in the White House, go on a cruise. Two days later, he went to the Congress and said, it's Captain Trips. I don't know the answers to, to explain these things. I just know, I know this for sure. None of them are good. None of them are good. They're all bad. And that's why we need a 9-11-like tribunal. We need a, let me repeat that. We need a 9-11-like tribunal so that this never ever happens again because the time may come that we have a legitimate threat a legitimate existential threat that we do have to consider wow is this worth my liberty right now given how dangerous this threat is
How are we going to know which is which, though? Right? We don't want to go from one extreme to the other. We don't want to go from chicken littles to uh, complete reality deniers, right? We should. We need a 9-11-like tribunal to know what happened here. These are the kinds of questions none of these people have been forced to answer. And they're the kinds of questions they should have to answer so that this never, ever happens again. How do you tell the country to go on a cruise ship and then 48 hours later testify to Congress that this is Captain Freaking Trips and you're the best we have? You're the best we have. We need answers to those kinds of questions. I can't get you those answers. Subpoenas have to get you those kinds of answers. Putting people under oath for threat of perjury, contempt of court, imprisonment, gets you those kinds of answers. A real discovery process gets us those kinds of answers. But we need them. We deserve them. We need a 9-11-like tribunal to know what really happened here. We'll continue this conversation with Jennifer Cabrera from Rational Ground in a moment. You know, trying to sell your home at any point in time is challenging, but especially so in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. That's why you need to make sure you go in with a real estate agent that's going to come in, take charge of the situation, yes, but also understand uh, that they need to roll, know their role here. Uh, they work for you, not you for them. Uh, someone with a vetted, fully proven track record of success. Someone, you know, uh, that you could trust. Now, where would you find this kind of an agent? Well, there's not a website out there. Realestateagentsyoucantrust.com. That might come in handy, but what about one called um, realestateagentsitrust.com. That one is out there for you. And the name kind of says it all. It's a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends who got tired of dealing with real estate agents who talked a big game but then didn't show up in the clutch when they were needed the most. They did not want that same fate to befall the rest of us mere mortals. So they created this referral service, agents with a fully proven vetted track record of success. Just about anywhere you want to move in America, we think we can probably help you find an agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. One of the great resources that has emerged in the past year uh, is a website called Rational Ground. Jennifer Cabrera is with Rational Ground. She joins us now here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Jennifer, it's a pleasure to have you with us for the first time. How are you? I'm great. I'm very excited to be here because I listen to you guys every day. So this is really special. Oh, well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. So one week from today will be the one-year anniversary of 15 Days to Flatten the Curve. Uh, in his opening montage, Aaron took us down a stroll down memory lane. Where on this date one year ago, Anthony Fauci was telling Americans it was safe to go on spring break and cruise ships. Literally 48 hours later, he was saying this from the White House, 48 hours later, he would go before the U.S. Congress and essentially say that coronavirus was going to be Captain Tripp's uh, 10 times more lethal than the flu, and that's what sent the nation into lockdowns. There are so many 
mysteries of how we got here, how we how can we possibly reconcile um, these uh, the, the this level of double mindedness or something more sinister? I I think we're going to need some form of a 9-11 tribunal once and for all subpoena power everything to get to the answer uh, for what happened here. Otherwise, I don't know why they just wouldn't the spirit of the age wouldn't just run this back on us two, three, four more times since it worked once. What are your thoughts, Jennifer? Well, I agree with that. Although I, I don't know how much trust I have in any of those entities to do such a commission. Uh, Rational Ground was basically started by Justin Hart and a couple other people. They started pulling in people on Twitter who were investigating the data, posting their own charts, looking at studies, talking about what's going on, doing the analysis that the CDC doesn't seem willing to do. And um, really, the goal was always, let's get through this. We didn't we never thought it would last a year. And let's um, make sure this never happens again. And that's still one of our goals. Um, We just it's just taken longer to get get through it than we thought. I want us to look back at this past year and then I want us to look ahead. All right. When when you look back at this past year, the, the the rash, there were two rationales for why we needed systemic lockdowns, why we needed for the first time in human history to quarantine healthy people. There were two rationales for this, and, the, and, the, and one of them was driven by the other. To me, the biggest lie of this entire past year has been the notion that a whole bunch of healthy people were going to asymptomatically contract coronavirus and turn this into a zombie apocalypse by unknowingly taking this home to their um, more vulnerable parents and grandparents and killing them or overwrote or overriding the system, uh, the healthcare system with patients that they infected when even in January of last year, Anthony Fauci noted there has never ever been an outbreak of a respiratory virus driven by asymptomatic infection. That's not how respiratory viruses behave. And lo and behold, what have we found out about this one? Every estimate is anywhere 15% the absolute highest I've seen, which of course comes from our CDC. Everywhere else around the world has the number in the single digits of asymptomatic transmissions, meaning what he said back in January of last year has proven to be true. That was the original lie the biggest lie of this whole past year was asymptomatic spread what are your thoughts on that jennifer we could argue all day on what the biggest lie was i mean the biggest lie might be that everybody will die if they get this Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who still believe that that if i die if i get COVID, i'm gonna die but you know asymptomatic spread is of course a big one and of course what we've never ever talked about or what the CDC has never talked about is relative risk. And uh, the, the fact that I might be asymptomatic right now. So what are the odds that if I have no symptoms that I'm actually sick, that's actually super low. We don't know what it is, but you know, I don't know, maybe a 1% chance that I'm sick today versus every other day. So you take the odds of that and then the odds that I transmit it to you and then the odds that you get sick because we've seen way back to the cruise ships that even in symptomatic transmission, it's like 23, 25% of people actually get sick. So the odds that you get sick and then the odds that you're severely ill and all of you multiply all those out. That's how, that's how odds work. And it, it, it's tiny. The odd that I could put you in the hospital 
with me being asymptomatic today is, is so small, it's less than my driving to the grocery store. So we, we just, we haven't talked about, there's been no pushback a lot on anything, right? Everything they say, if you don't accept it, you're going to kill grandma. That's how it's been from day one. So we, we don't ever talk about what are the actual odds that I, at my age or your age or an 80 year old's age, which is a whole different calculation. What are the odds that an asymptomatic person can harm that person? Which leads itself or lends itself to the second lie. Uh, well, there's so many lies, but to me, there are two great lies, asymptomatic spread, because that was that was that, that was at the heart of the rationale for why we had to do these lockdowns, which, of course, lends to the, itself to the second one, which is we didn't want to override the hospital system. And it was going to be all these asymptomatic infections that was going to cause that. Well, lo and behold, there has never been a time in this entire pandemic. Now, there have, we have seen individuals' hospitals in places around the country get overrun. We have seen that. But systemically, the hospital system in America, there has never been a time this entire pandemic that the percentage of those going to ERs, which you would assume the overwhelming majority of, of hospitalizations begin with an emergency room visit, right? If you just have mild COVID symptoms and you go to the walk-in clinic, they don't tell you typically go get admitted. If you, I mean, if you're typically beginning an admission for anything really with an ER visit, particularly something like this. So over, we've never had a time jennifer in the history of this pandemic where it's exceeded more than nine percent of er visits in america have been for covid-like symptoms it's and it's only exceeded that once in the entire pandemic nine percent currently the number is well below three percent how many americans do you think would be shocked to hear that information almost all of them and, and what you're talking about is cli which is covid-like illness as an actual metric that's published all over the place the cdc publishes it Various states publish it, and it's a measurement of the percentage of patients going to an emergency room for a specific thing. We have ILI for influenza-like illness. We have CLI for COVID-like illness. And it turns out that CLI is probably the best metric for tracking how COVID's spreading in a community, which means you don't need all this mass testing if you just have access to local CLI. And I've been pushing for months, since October, I've been pushing for getting it for my county, for example, just to be able to look at CLI from my county, I can't get it. So it's one of those things that would be very easy for them to, to make more prominent. And we've, uh, Kyle Lamb, for example, has looked at CLI versus PCR positive testing. They track very closely. We don't need all the testing. Well, unless you want to continue the live asymptomatic spread. So test all these asymptomatic people, create a case-demic, spiraling cases. Uh, we've got to, this thing is out of control. I mean, let's, unless that's the narrative that you're going for, then you do. If you truly want to know from a public policy standpoint, um, you know, where is the line between prudence of healthcare and then the larger societal concerns, Kyle is correct. Then you don't need all this PCR testing. You really need to look at uh, how many people are right now symptomatic and therefore infectious if not in need of potential hospitalization that would be the actual metric you would look at but that would be if we were doing prudent public policy if we wanted to create a case demic based on an asymptomatic lie then yes we would need all the pcr testing which brings us to the future of where this is going next i i believe the re the reopening hay is out of the barn and i i really think connecticut's announcement last week is is, is significant of that and and therefore, I think the real argument now is what is the toll 
for you as the average American, you want to get back on the interstate of normalcy. What's the toll you have to pay? And I think the the real battle is going to be over the mask and forced vaccination. Now, I, I'm not as afraid of the forced vaccination argument as I was at the start of the year. They 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 dabbled that in front of the airlines and the airlines said not no, but no. Um, so I, I know I think they know in a lot of places in America that politically is just an absolute non-starter. So I think the mask is going to be the steel cage match here, the battle to the death, especially because of the emotional religious attachment to them. What do you think? Oh, I agree. Masks are going to be the battle. And, and in fact, we see that now in Florida because Florida is quote unquote open, right? You know, we're told we're open, we're free, except that in most counties in Florida, you have to wear a mask everywhere you go. So we're open as long as you wear a mask. And I feel, think that's going to be how it's going to be going forward. And that masks are obviously if you're, if schools aren't open, that's the top battle. If, if your businesses aren't open, that's the next one. But if, if the schools and businesses are open, the next battle is the mask. So what do you guys have at rational ground to equip our audience? They get a lot of information from me, but what do you guys have at rational ground to equip our audience on how to push back against the masquerade? So Matt, Rational Ground, we have a website, rationalground.com, where we publish various articles, but we're a volunteer organization, so it's not very organized. It's not, I wouldn't even call it all-encompassing, all or it's whatever people happen to come up with. So, so, But if you follow me on, on Twitter, I retweet a lot of the other Rational Ground people. You can pick who you want to follow. You can get all the data. We're doing, between us, we're just covering so many aspects of COVID. Um, and, but, and also, we, we talk about it among ourselves, so we have theories we, we check them out with each other um we're doing what the cdc should be doing uh we don't have a lot of resources for people who want to actually make change and that's one of the things that i push in my twitter account and i'm you know personally i'm working with the local groups to try to build up activism we don't do activism very well on the right and this is something that that i don't know much about and that i want to learn and that we all need to to learn, which you guys talk about all the time, of, of advancing our values instead of just reacting to the other side. My personal campaign right now is hashtag forget your mask. And the point of that is that not everybody's ready to have any confrontations over masks. Not everybody's ready to be the big civil disobedient, all of that. But what you can do is pretend to forget your mask. So if you're not ready to have confrontations, just walk into a store, don't wear a mask, wait to be asked. If they ask you and you're not ready to have a confrontation, say, oh, sorry, I forgot it. Put it on. Go about your business. But make them ask. If they have to make 100 people, 200 people a day put on a mask, it's going to change things. In other words, you're, you're proving the point this is unenforceable. And I, it, I, it, it's, I, only inf- it's only enforceable by individual compliance, right? Totally. If, 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 if people didn't voluntarily wear the mask, it would disappear overnight because there's no stores do not want to get in conversations with our customers. And I like that even, idea. You know, even where they're not, even where they're forced to by law, they still don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what we're seeing in Florida is a lot of stores technically require them, but they, they won't say anything. But still, if you go in them, everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody. I mean, I'll be the only person in a store without a mask. And, and the other things I really want to emphasize is be polite, smile. Um, don't fight with people. Don't get obnoxious. Just be a nice, polite person who's not wearing a mask. And keep your distance from people, obviously. 
uh, you know, don't be a jerk. I like it. It's perfectly passive aggressive. We do passive aggressive on the right. We like that. Okay. We like to send emails to shows like this about how angry we are and then not do actually do anything. Right. So I love the you're you're playing into the passive aggressive nature of many people on the right. Just forget it. Don't bring it up. If they bring it up, then, hey, politely say, oh, yeah, I forgot it. But make them bring it up. It's it's totally passive aggressive. It's something that everybody can do. I got a message from a follower last night. He said, I I was going to go in a store with no mask and my 13 year old son begged me to put on a mask. And he said, no, I'm going in without a mask. He went in without a mask and they turned around and 13 year old is following him in without a mask. And he said, what happened? He says, well, I saw another guy in the store without a mask. So I decided I wouldn't wear one. This is what it takes. We, mm-hmm. have to, we have to give each other courage. Well said. Uh, Jennifer, you guys are doing great work there. Keep it up. Thanks for joining us here today on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, Thanks. okay? Thanks. Yeah. Gentlemen, your thoughts? When we look back on this, one of the most stunning things about the whole COVID saga will be that people like uh, Jennifer or named Elgato Malo or Gummy Bear, uh, <laughs> if, if you gave them 15 minutes alone with the president who said, I need you to give me the give me the elevator speech on this thing versus 15 minutes against Anthony Fauci and you didn't know all the backdrop story, I would most people would take Jennifer Cabrera in in a second yeah. over Fauci because there's reality there. There's authenticity there. You can see it. And you just know Fauci's a charlatan. I think that's a remarkable storyline. If you had gone to, when you ago today, to Alex Berenson, former New York Times yes. reporter, and said, hey, uh, next year you're going to be a featured speaker at CPAC. Yeah. What would the look Aaron on his face have been if you'd have made that prediction to Alex? What's a CPAC? Yes. First of all, he's like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Okay. You're going to be a featured guest on Tucker Carlson uh, frequently on Fox News. You'd be like, not in the land where I come from. That's how you get defrocked around here. But that's kind of what it's been like for the last year. Yeah. And looking back on the lies, the obfuscation, the uh, changing opinions uh, following the following the uh, fluid situation that I've been told science (laughs) has been the last year. um, It's all the same people. Uh, it's all the same people who have changed their minds, to put it mildly. It's all the people, same people who claim when they said this then and then this other thing another time. It's uh, it's a fluid situation. It, it's always the same people. And I feel like we're always saying this uh, with increasing frequency. All the explanations for why those people are all the same people who want to just mislead you or follow the fluid science. All of the explanations for why that's the case are bad yeah yep boy we've used that phrase a lot in the last year haven't we all right fake news or not coming your way as we lead off hour two here in a moment stay tuned and we're back with hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with totters and aaron mcintyre and all of you let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show also look for steve dace on me we gab and parlor 
as well. And if you're looking for clips of the show that you can watch for free and then hopefully share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. For those of you that enjoy the podcast, thank you. Please show your appreciation for that by uh, hitting the subscribe button, leaving us a five-star review if you've yet to do either of those two things, because the more of those that do, the more it helps the show to grow and it also helps to please the mucky mucks down there in Dallas who keep track of such things. Thank you to the thousands of you that have done those two things for us already. So you know how when you eat that super premium ice cream made by those two communist guys, it you kind of feel afterwards you got to rinse your mouth out, like give yourself a silkwood shower. I mean, it's dude, they, they make great ice cream. Okay, but if you had any other option... You wouldn't buy it, but it, it's it's been the the best product on the market. Noticed I spoke in past tense there, because um, there's good news. Now you've got Brooker's Founding Flavors ice cream. Uh, I just got a new batch sent to me this morning as I was leaving, by the way, and I I was I was gonna lodge a complaint because the uh, the chocolate, which is the best chocolate ice cream I have ever had. Like their version of a death by chocolate ice cream was not in the stash. But I saw a shamrock flavor. So all is forgiven now. Okay. I'm I'm anxious to try that. All right. I love the running theme in a couple of our ads where you like openly threaten them to do better. It's 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 yeah. it's fun. Uh, didn't I just say to our last guest, <laughs> we are masters of the passive aggressive play? <laughs> On the right? Yes, indeed. Uh, Brooker's Founding Flavors Ice Cream delivers the ice cream you love. Super premium, chunky ice cream with an assortment of flavors, but unlike the communists, with a historical twist. And during the month of March, you can try the Guns of Boston flavor, uh, which has chunks of Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies in it. Somebody keep this away from Nick Saban, the Alabama coach. He like lives on these. Did you know that? I did not. He like literally lives on oatmeal cream pies. It's what he eats all. It's the, he eats like two of them. That's all he eats all day until dinner time. And it's like every day he eats like two oatmeal cream pies. And he's, I mean, that's his oatmeal cream pies are his life. All right. So this flavor is for the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, also, uh, this flavor celebrates evacuation day when the Brits were forced out of Boston during the Revolutionary War. Are you kind of catching the hint there? All of these have some form of historical significance, and they're outstanding as well. Of course, the month of March, I already mentioned the Shamrock flavor. They've got a St. Patrick's Day flavor. This is a magically delicious ice cream with mint Oreo cookies and cream, chocolate chip brownies, and Andy's mints. Okay, I'm going to forgive you now. You are forgiven for not including the death by chocolate, but sending me this instead, because this sounds freaking incredible <laughs> i mean i can't wait to try this all right so you're going to find these flavors and a whole lot more on the brooker's founding flavors ice cream website some of the best ice cream you've ever had but with the right message and values in mind as well just go to brooker's b-r-o-o-k-e-r-s brooker's ice cream.com click on the ship nationwide tab at brooker's ice cream.com click on the ship nationwide tab and go from there all right, so let's get to fake news or not. Normally we play clips or uh, have headlines. 
I want to have a more meta conversation this week, if you guys don't mind. Let's go. All right. Because I saw this information yesterday. And I was oh, man, we're, we're going to be so busy this week. We need to talk about this. And then it hit me. This is the most obvious place to talk about it in fake news or not. So Newsmax had a moment right after the election. Their ratings soared. And in the interest of full disclosure, speaking only for me, I, I was happy to see it. In fact, let me start the conversation there just to kind of set the stage. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Fox News. I, I recognize that for daily news gathering, it is by far the platform of consequence that will even give people like us a fair hearing. Let alone a platform. And I appreciate that. If there's a breaking news story, I mean, I know what you two do. My default is, and that's the only time I turn on cable news. If there's a breaking news story, my default is to turn on Fox just because I think they're the least likely to lie to me. Now, did I say that I don't think they'll lie to me? No. I just think they're the least likely to. Okay? So I I appreciate that. It is better than nothing. Because for many years, we had nothing. But, over the years, Fox has gone from we report, you decide, to we report and decide. We are the Overton window gatekeeper on the right. We decide what is acceptable to be considered as news or opinion. You cannot, you know, I I told you guys for years, the number one rule in mainstream media is what? You couldn't do what to Republicans? Hit them from the right. right. You were never allowed to do that. I got away with it for a few years in numerous mainstream media appearances, mainly because they wanted to use me as a conservative uh, token to hit back at people like John McCain and Mitt Romney. But I was happy to let them use me along those lines because I couldn't stand either one of those people, was never voting for them. And I was actually also using them. Because one thing I learned is that people like Mitch McConnell care a lot more about what you say about him in Politico than on Tucker Carlson tonight. He's not watching that crap. It, it, that's he he hates Tucker Carlson. He's not watching that. Doesn't care. But he does care what you say about him, uh, you know, on uh, Meet the Press or in Politico. So because a lot of these outlets are always looking for conservatives who will attack Republicans, and in this case, I was totally fine attacking these Republicans. I got to I got paid to write for people like Politico and places like that, and appear on a lot of these mainstream media platforms. They thought they were using me, but I was actually using them. I wanted to crush the Republican Party from the right on a on a platform they were more likely to pay attention to than even the one we work with now. And then when they figured out, oh wow, he's like when they when they when they put good people up there that agree with him, he's not going to attack them. Then I was of no use to them anymore. That's why I don't get invited to do these shows any longer. <laughs> All right. I think the last time I got invited, 
a CNN producer contacted me. It was the last meeting or call that Trump had with the fiend over in uh, North Korea. And you guys remember how they used to just drive me nuts, the slurping of that guy, right? Yes. And, and a CNN producer called me trying to book me on one of their shows that very night. Of course, we declined. It was obvious they were just, they've got files. They keep track of what people like me say. You say what fits their agenda. They'll book you. If you don't, they won't. So if you were on the Cruz campaign, if you supported Ted Cruz, heck, if you supported Donald Trump, you know, throughout much of 2015, Roger Ailes tried to use Fox News to kill Donald Trump's candidacy. I think it was the first or second primary debate in that cycle they hosted with Megyn Kelly and Chris Wallace. And it was clear, man, the code red had been given on Trump. Remember that debate? Yes. They, they tried to destroy him. And then eventually decided, hey, if you can't beat him, join him and became Trump TV. But it took a lot of months of Trump running against both Fox News and the mainstream media to get to that point. And it wasn't until it was he was clearly the front runner with Cruz in second that they finally went full on Trump. But for those of us that were on the Cruz campaign, those of you that voted for Ted in the primary, you remember what happened after we won the Iowa caucuses with the most votes in the history of Iowa. Roger Ailes gave out the order, man. We're going to celebrate the greatest third place finish of all time, Marco Rubio. That was their boy. I remember um, Rick Santorum in 2012 complaining about Fox News becoming Mitt TV on Brian, to Brian Kilmeade's face on Fox News. I mean, this has been, they view themselves as you cannot get to their right. However far right Fox News is willing to go, which frankly, outside of Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram about half the time ain't very far. Um, you can't, you were not permitted to get any further, right? For a lot of people in my industry, a lot of my peers, everything they do was to get noticed by Fox to eventually land there. Like in sports media, how do I get on ESPN? That's the mothership, right? So that's where the hate relationship comes from. Because ultimately, if, if Fox wasn't comfortable booking it and talking about it, I mean, you know, Democrats could be dropping acid rain on your kids in schools, but if Fox didn't think it was a story that they could monetize or upset their apple cart, we couldn't get any coverage of it. Republicans didn't talk about it. When we ran Matt Bevin against Mitch McConnell, I don't believe Fox News did a single story about that primary the entire time. On purpose. So I have long been anxious for platforms to challenge the hegemony of Fox News. Platforms like what we have here at Blaze TV, we do that on the opinion side. But ultimately, a news gathering operation is a major investment. And when there's breaking news, you're not turning to me to get coverage of it. I don't know. I'm reacting to the people that have the wherewithal to cover those things. I'm going to the same source as you are. So the we've got we've got enough established opinion places now that we we can we've broken the fourth wall of Fox News. 
That's why a guy like Tucker Carlson, I believe, has been permitted to go the places that he has. He, right now, right now, he is he has he is he is he is more of a challenger of the status quo than Bill O'Reilly ever was in that post. Ever was. And I think one of the reasons he get they, he gets away with it is because enough of us like Blaze TV and Daily Wire and others have built up enough of an audience now that we're moving the Overton window now. They don't just they still might be the biggest uh, the biggest bully on the block, but they ain't the only one now. The problem is when we get to news gathering, where do we go for news? That's the missing link in all of this. And so for me, I was very optimistic and hopeful to see the explosion for Newsmax after the election. Because if now we have that, if we now have, we've already got enough of us already on the opinion side taking a bite out of Fox's hegemony. If we can get one on a linear station that does news gathering to do it, or a linear platform on and to do it with news gathering, now you've got Fox surrounded. And that kind of competition will make Fox better. Unfortunately, since January... After its moment where its ratings exploded after the election. Since January now, Newsmax ratings have declined 51%. That is a massive loss. Now, everybody's down across the board. Fox's ratings are down the least across the board. I think that number was in the teens for them, if I remember right. But 51%. Listen, 51%. When you're number one is a steep drop. But when you're number four or five, that is catastrophic. And I have a theory as to why I believe this has occurred. I'm going to tell you my theory. I don't watch it. But I watch it closely in social media. I watch what Newsmax does in social media closely. And I'm, I'm going to assume that unless their social team are morons or, or they hired away from the CDC, that they are putting in their social media channels the things they most want to promote. Would, would, would that be a, a safe assumption? Yes. Okay. So I have a theory as I've been watching what's happened there. And really, if I had to guess, this directly coincides with... What happened with their station, Mike Lindell, Dominion, and all, and now there's lawsuits and everything else. But when I look at their station and what they put out on social media, to be brutally honest, with the exception of Newsmax will put Marjorie Taylor Greene on there, the first-term congresswoman who is too toxic for a Fox News. With that exception, a lot of what I see them promoting in their social media channels is basically the same mainline republicanism that I could get from Fox, but with lesser talent. 
And that's not to pick on anybody individually. I just mean holistically as a network. What I think has occurred here and why they've lost 51% of their viewers is Newsmax came to a fork in the road that all of us in conservative media are look, are standing at right now. All of us are. We have a challenge on our hands. What all of you watching me and listening to me right now want to hear and see me say the most, I cannot. Now, I would argue on a lot of these platforms, this program probably pushes the boundaries of where we can and cannot go ideologically as much as probably anybody does. But there are things that I believe about the gender dysphoria. If I said them exactly and plainly to the extent I believe them, not just this show would get banned, but the entire Blaze platform would be demonetized. Everywhere. The same is also true on voter fraud. And forget Dominion. Forget that whole thing. That's a sideshow. Just the... I mean, last week, the Democrats put forth a bill... H.R. 1, which is a codification of how they, frankly, stole the last election, I believe. Going down that road to that extent, which you all would cheer. You would all cheer this and be right to. And for a temporary moment, my show would have a huge growth spurt in attracting that audience that right now is on the sidelines feeling like nobody's speaking to them. But then the big tech overlords would notice that we're gaining that audience and we'd all be banned. My Facebook page is dead, probably never coming back. Last year, there were months I had the number one Facebook page for time spent on my page on this entire channel because of the work we were doing on COVID. We were outperforming people who have dramatically more larger platforms than we do. But the word was out, hey, this is the place to go to get the 411 on COVID and on lockdowns. These guys don't pull any punches. At times, I have felt like Facebook created their science team specifically for me. My Facebook page is dead. It's never coming back, probably. That was a major monetization tool for us. If I had to guess what's occurred here is Newsmax went there. They went where you want us to go. This is the challenge we have is we feel as if we cannot give you the audience what you really want because the cost of doing so is our ability to stay in business. Now, thankfully, we've got enough peer to peer, hundreds of thousands of subscribers that we could survive by ourselves just on that here at blaze tv but overall the ability to grow beyond that the ability to reach masses of audience beyond those subscribers would be tremendously hindered i think what's occurred here is is newsmax went there they went the place that you want us to go and blew up blew up that got everybody's attention. Now they're facing lawsuits and everything else. 
And if I had to guess, the brass over there said, hey, man, we, we can't do this. And, and now it's just Fox News with lesser talent. It's why moderate, mushy Republicans don't win presidential elections. If, if I could get, you know, if I wanted mush or li a liberal, I'd just vote Democrat. Pale pastels don't win. Bold colors do. And when I look at what I, what I see Newsmax do in my feed, unless it's the lovely and talented Emerald Robinson, her who's their White House correspondent, it's her individual feed with her individual takes. I'm talking about the station branded stuff. All right. Unless it's somebody like her speaking out as an individual, the station branded stuff I see in there from social media is just weak sauce. I'm sorry. It's just weak. And I think that's why their ratings are down 51%. Is they tantalized the audience with, we're going to be the channel you wished Fox News still was. Saw the blowback and the cost of going there, shirked back, and then the audience felt like, I, I mean, I'm out of here. I can get this in 15 other places. I'm done. And I think that is a challenge we face systemically in our industry. Is we... We, you know, one of the first pieces of advice I got from my very first News Talk program director who's won numerous Marconi Awards, Van Harden. He said, Steve, as believers, we are called to be martyrs when the situation comes. But we don't walk up to Caesar and say, can I fall on that sword? We don't volunteer to do it. We're all here, just about anybody I, I know around here. We're totally fine dying on these hills. But we also don't want to provoke the attack at the exact same time and suffer a premature death. And so we're all trying to do this calculation. Now, we all know our days are numbered. We all do. We all do. We all know that any day we could log on and we're parlor. We, we know this. But we're, we would prefer that it would not be something we instigated from a business model standpoint. And something that eventually they just decided you're too good at this, you have to go. We know that's coming. And I think that's what Newsmax ran into. And now they're in a no man's land. I have no reason to tune into you because I'm just going to get the same sort of mainstream Republican Party pablum with the exception of a Marjorie Taylor Greene appearance. But I'm going to get it with lesser talent. So I'll just stick with Fox or nothing. Let me stop there. Gentlemen, your overall thoughts on what I just laid out here. I think there's a lot to it. It's as with COVID, it's been discussed that with a lot of the people that have believed the things they say they believe about COVID and the policies like lockdowns, you need to fight it. Would they actually agree with them if they thought they were going to take a hit from them? Mm -hmm. And I think the, the that expert class n knew in many respects they were going to just chill in Netflix and they pro they were not going to reap anything from it and they and they're very comfortable just being the smart set while they and convince themselves of it while that's the case i think there's an analogous story here the, the expert class beyond journalism beyond medicine it's there's another word for this and this is a theme i've hit on before it's the comfort class they, they are very very comfortable people both in status money all of those things and when that gets threatened, that's when you see whatever principles or fights they thought they were going to really fight get put aside. 
that that's that's one of our great Achilles heel in this nation. Our successes, it's that uh, are now in, turning into the monster that just makes us soft when it comes right down to it. At the point where the hills to die on are becoming more and more evident, we just... It, and it's it, it's not lives, fortunes, or sacred honor. It's nothing close to that. It's just like the look in the eye from uh, the people when I go to the store, or I might not make quite as much money. We become really soft. So I think that has... I think you're making an even more profound point, Steve, than maybe you even think you are. It's You're talking about a... It, it's not just a journalism thing. It's a very human, current... 21st century American thing we're dealing with. What do you think, Karen? So I made the comments. I made the comment last week or the week before, whenever it was, that um, Greg Abbott decided to rescind Texas's mask mandate. And I, I made the comment along the lines of listen, I know people are unhappy with Greg Abbott. They couldn't have been that unhappy, though. It was July 2nd, July 2nd of last year, when that statewide mask mandate went into effect. You mean to tell me you were hopping mad about your governor putting that into place? Exactly. You mean you were to tell me you were that mad? And it's only going to be tomorrow now that it's officially lifted? I think the same thing applies to this conversation as well. This is less about Newsmax and more about what Todd is talking about, which is the soul of whatever this used to be a movement, a conglomeration, loose conglomeration of, of um, what's left of America. That as long as we allow uh, the people who say they represent us to go on without holding the people accountable who are censoring people like you and me. And I'm talking about you in the audience watching people like us because they're not really censoring us. They're censoring you. Mm-hmm. You watch us because you, at least on some level, assent to the message that we bring to the table, to the marketplace of ideas. You watch this and they try to censor people like us. They're really trying to censor you because I would. I don't want to put an exact number on on this, or at least an exact percentage. I think that there are a number of Republicans who are just fine, just fine with encroaching big tech, because you know what that means for them. No more tea parties, no mm-hmm. more Trump moments. Yep, you get to be told that I'm your hero. I'm fighting for liberty in the American way, and nobody can question me. Yep. I think a large part. Now, we, we talked about Rush Limbaugh. There, there's no bigger part that he played in, in the advent of this industry than him. That's not up for debate at all. The continuing of this industry into different platforms like you're watching today, watching today on The Blaze the advent and the proliferation of numerous, if not hundreds, of personalities who can exist, or at least have been able to exist, off of traditional terrestrial and and um, legacy outlets, is due in large part because there's an appetite 
for holding their own accountable. There's an appetite for, why are these Republicans continuing to lie for me? There's an appetite for the answers to those questions. The Republicans, the people who say they represent what's left of America, are not stupid. They understand that there's a market for this. And so they understand that the more that that is squashed, the more that that is, uh, that that's, that that's snuffed out, the less accountable they have to yes. be to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you just defined, Aaron, the, the, the term for it is a false flag operation. Correct. And that's what the Republican Party is. And that's what a lot, with, it, with a few exceptions, that's what a lot of Fox News is, is a false flag operation. And Newsmax stepped on that down wire, maybe did it clumsily, went too far, but then when they saw what the, what the, what the price of those aftershocks were, decided to water it down. And once they did, they lost their audience. We'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. So March is National Crafting Month, and Annie's Kid Club is celebrating with a special 75% offer off a creative, fun, and hands-on way for both boys and girls to spend their downtime. That's what Annie's Kid Clubs does. They are the perfect subscription box for both boys and girls. They've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club for the guys, a monthly subscription that puts real tools into your boys' hands, starting with that great kid-sized hammer. And every month, your child will receive an all-in-one woodworking kit with the materials and the tools he needs to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. And then they've got the amazing Annie's Creative Girls Club, which sends two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy-to-follow instructions that kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. So here's how you can help your kids develop actual skills, mastering real-world building, or new crafting techniques that also help to express their creativity. Go to Annie's Kit Clubs, A-N-N-I-E-S, annieskitclubs.com slash steve annieskitclubs.com slash steve and save 75% off your first shipment at annieskitclubs.com slash steve let's get to pop culture tuesday where we take a look each week at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism and we got to put a spoiler alert on this week's episode if you have not watched WandaVision or its finale yet and plan to. We don't want to spoil it for you. So you may want to listen or watch the rest of this program at a later date because that's what we'll be talking about here the rest of the time on the show. All right. So you have been warned after the count of three, we will commence. Three, two, one. All right. Spoiler issue or spoiler warning issued. On we go. So the WandaVision season finale, let's just start with a basic question for the two of you. Overall, your thoughts on the finale and the series in general. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, because the series in general, it was great. The standards were set extremely high for the finale, and the finale failed to reach those standards. It, it was it was good, and I enjoyed myself, uh, but it, it, it uh, just didn't stick the landing it, it in no way was it a failure I, I it clearly needed another episode because there was so much going on it rushed through so much uh that hit it that had been the point the whole point of telling this entire story in such an 
odd way and such a creative way was to get to everything they got to and then they rushed it. Aaron, what did you think? On the series finale, I generally agree with with Todd's assessment. I think it could have been done a little bit better with another episode. As far as the series in general, uh, if you would have asked me at this time last week, I'd say five out of five um, grand slam home run. After the finale, though, um, I, I was just a little bit disappointed that it, it wasn't, really wasn't setting up any huge foray into the rest of the Marvel universe, which I think we all thought, at least to some degree, was going to happen. Instead, I, I think it's, a, I, I used the term or analogy yesterday, a, a towering double off the wall. You know, it, it looks like it's going out of the park, going out of the park, and eh, nope, just off the wall. Um, I, I felt I got a little Iron Man 3'd by the finale it's a good that's a good analogy um i thought i got played a little bit you definitely did with the uh x-men actor guy yeah um which i predicted that he would not be quicksilver that they would this thought it'd be something but i think it'd be something other than they just wanted to make a boner reference from growing pains you know the neighbor that came over remember a lot of these episodes are are direct derivatives off of growing pains family ties the dick van dyke show um, uh, shows that she watched you know wanda watched a little girl with her parents Mm -hmm. right when they were watching like contraband western sitcoms and sokovia um the first eight episodes of the show, the the rhythm of them, the way that you really got the sense, and then the penultimate episode of the show, which goes into more of Agatha Harkness's uh, background and backstory, I thought was absolutely the best episode of the show. And then I thought the episode before that was the best episode of the show, and I thought the episode before that was the best episode of the show, meaning that it was building to a crescendo. Yeah. And, uh, hey, man... I got a modestly successful podcast, okay? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I make a I make a good living, but I, I live in a upper middle class home in the suburbs. So far be it for me to tell Kevin Feige how to do his gig when he's presiding over a freaking printing press over there at Marvel Inter- the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I'm going to anyway. When you have, when, when your branding is interconnectivity, there is an expectation by your audience that you will get then what? Connectivity? Yes. Interconnectivity. Yes. So we've got this massive space time anomaly. The first one that has been spotted on the Earth since the Thanos snap was reversed. And it's in Westview, New Jersey, just over the Hudson River, from where the Sorcerer Supreme, who has been charged by the Ancient One with protecting the Nine Realms from just this type of space-time anomaly. Right? Okay? Yeah. So, just over the river, hell, he can probably see it outside that window. Spider-Man lives there, too. Yes. So, just over the river is the Sorcerer Supreme as something, the first metaphysical threat to humanity since the Thanos snap was reversed is occurring. And not for like an hour, weeks. This has gone on for weeks. And dude's just like, poor one out, I got nothing, man. I'm not, 
could be less interested. They're going to have to explain that in the next movie. Yeah. There's got to be a yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, but that's the part where you're like, so the whole time you're like, wait, they even referenced him in the last episode. And you're like waiting, waiting, waiting. Nothing. He just, he, he can't be bothered. He, he doesn't care. This isn't like right up his alley. This is his specific threat. This isn't why you have a Sorcerer Supreme for situations just like this. I'm just, I, I, I was really blown away at that, actually. I thought it was, um, they clearly teased you that they were touching on some serious themes. If you look at the symbolism inside the runes that Agatha Harkness has built herself in that basement, there are lots of very specific occultic um, satanic symbols in there. Things that you could like Google those things and, and, and find out what they really mean. They're just like random designs to make it look spooky. Um, there was a scene cut out of the show where they were going to reveal to you who Senior Scratchy was. And it was going to essentially be Agatha Harkness's demonic familiar. It was going to be whatever the source of her power is. Whatever it was that protected her when, when her mother's coven tried to kill her off. Right? Recognizing that she, w- she had gone rogue, gone evil. They were going to answer that for you. And they just, Marvel made the decision not to finish the effects uh, for it. And it was, le- was left on the cutting room floor. So, I, I mean, this seems like a really long and hey i i know that they like had this you know torrential love affair but they did like three or four months of hookups and for that dude she is uh um i will always love you yeah Yeah. she's an elton john i guess that's why they call it the blues time after time i mean she i mean seriously that she's enslaves an entire community out of just no motivation yeah. other than grief. Okay. No, that's that. that to me, I, I thought that was. Con- I thought that was contrived. No, this is. She's lost her. I mean, her story, her arc, and it does it in what the the legends thing they're doing. She's she's lost her entire family. Uh, first her parents, then she loses her brother. She's been experimented on by uh, Hydra. She's. Uh, had to so this watch, is the proverbial straw that broke the back. She's had is what to you're watch okay. Vision die multiple times. She's got these powers she doesn't fully understand. She's in she's in mourning at a to the point that drives a lot of people mad. And then when you go mad and you have these powers, and at first she had no idea she was doing this. Then she's realizing she's doing it but she's also addicted to it like a drug i think that's what i can't so talk- sword and the fbi just let her fly off it's jump on her broom well, that, and fly away after she enslaves an entire community well, for a few that, months that's a conversation to have but i think that the aspect of her mourning and what it did to I, it's again it goes way beyond superhero stuff it is shakespeare it is greek tragedy and then they rushed it and then they and they did it it looked like who we, that that speech between the two when they said goodbye to each other mm-hmm. it was unbelievable but they just get to it and then it's gone while you're having white vision and is white vision a real thing yes okay yeah. well they're flying around in the sky they're rushing that we're, we're rushing i just the- wondering if somebody who just tuned in has no idea what oh, we're yeah. talking about the first thing white vision what, what, what are you guys talking? coming to you live <laughs> from colorado monica 
Monica Rambo. Like now, does she have powers? Her character does in the comics. They've alluded okay. to it, but they didn't really say a lot about that, it be, because okay. it's just there with a yeah. thousand other things. The witch it was getting really interesting with what's Agatha. Yep. But then, all, like all of a sudden, now here's my point. She's mad. Uh, um, Wanda is mad confused everything and then all of a sudden she goes from all of that to doing her little mind thing with the witch and then she understands she's a witch and then she casts a spell and it just it needed another episode to let all of this play out because th this witch thing goes back through time and is a apparently incredibly powerful and she's just See, five that, minutes ago. This is why I feel played. Yes, five minutes ago she says, I'm not a witch, you don't know what you're talking about. She reads her mind once, and now she embraces the fact that she's... Yeah. See, I, I just, I, I felt played. Well, it wasn't. Like it, they was, just... like, like it was building up, it didn't reveal anything of significance in the ending at all. And it, if I didn't know any better, they just did this whole thing to give her a, a nine-episode rationale for why Wanda Maximoff will become the Scarlet Witch and become bad, which her character in the comics has been both good and bad, back and forth. See, that's powerful. Okay? They, that, but, but for nine, okay. That's but then, really like, powerful. None of the, uh, there's a lot of mythology around that character, though, which they alluded to during the show, and then they don't answer any of them. They don't, they don't answer anything, and I, I still am blown away that Doctor Strange is sitting over there, and he's just like, dude, when, when Doctor Strange thought Loki got away, I dude said, lost his mind. See, I, 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 that, better be, that better be answered in a subsequent movie or uh, TV series as well, because the, the, the amount, I mean, how many times have I told you guys, either on text or when we got back in here on Monday mornings, I just blown away at the level of detail mm -hmm. that some of these story writers and and creators put into every single episode of WandaVision. You have to think that they would have thought of that detail as well. I mean, maybe once she in, you know opened up the um, the, the, the anomaly, it ripped a, a a hole in space time. You would have thought though that that maybe they would have showed that in a, in a space in a you know mid credits or end credits scene as well you know maybe that's maybe he's tied up in a different dimension and so the, that's the other thing so again the other end the final end credit scene is just so her she, in a, she, yeah. she has what in Mar the marvel cinematic universe this is their version of a necronomicon or a satanic bible it's called the dark hold all right all the black magic and all the all the demonic activity in the marvel universe come this is its origin it's like the satanic bible so at the end of the at the end of the show in the second in the second um, um, after credit scene, she is doing that thing Doctor Strange did, where he separated himself in the astral plane so he could study the 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 sorcery books mm -hmm. while he was asleep at night. She's doing the exact same thing while she's awake during the day, but she's doing it with the freaking Darkhold, mastering it, and again, like Doctor Strange is like, hey man, it's she's on vacation, she's chilling out. Give her some time. She'll come around. Again, I, I I just thought I got played at the end. I thought they did a great job this entire series, and I just felt at the end, I got Iron Man 3. I was looking for Trevor well, Flattery. They, okay, I feel like I got Iron Man 3 at the end. They did something that they've not usually done, and that's why people love this universe. They they didn't quite take all of their source material seriously enough. At the end of Endgame, when, he, when Iron Man says, we gotta fight Thanos again, because when you mess with time, time messes back. And this whole thing, how do you move on, is to say that although we got this great victory, the cost of this thing, in Wanda individually, she's a microcosm of what this whole universe, we're gonna have, a, because of her mourning, mm -hmm. we're gonna have the whole multiverse, and, and that's an amazing story. 
story. They didn't go there. Yeah. And they should have. They gave no hint of it at all. They, all right. So, so I, we, we, those, we're assuming that's where it's going to go. But at the end of the show, they could have hinted at any of this. Instead, yes. at, at the end, hey, this was just all a nine-hour, nine nine-week uh, uh, grief uh, convalescence. Okay. You know, it felt like at the end, like when of Iron Man 3, when Tony's on the couch, tell, and tell him, and you find that he's, been, he's actually telling oh, well, the story see, it's to, so much deeper to, than doctor, that. To, to, to the Hulk. Because the woman that they used in like the second episode, and you thought she was evil... Yeah, but she's not, and then she's just like begging there at the yes. end. Hey, visit yes. her. Not. That was so powerful. Yeah, but then they moved on really yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It's a powder that you sprinkle over your dog's food. It's so simple, but with that simple act, you're providing your pet with essential vitamins and minerals, probiotics, omega oils, all the good stuff. Basically, all the things he or she needs to be healthier and happier and to have a more active lifestyle. Now, most dogs love this stuff right out of the gate. That was the case with our dog Cap. Sometimes, though, hey, with picky dogs, it can be an acquired taste. That's why um, we want to help you acquire it even easier. Because that dry kibble food your dog eats has all the nutrients cooked out of it, totally sterile. We want to help you put them back in. And sometimes it just takes a dog a little long time, a little bit longer to get used to rough greens. So the first thing we want to see is if your dog will eat it. That's why we're going to offer you a free bag of it right now. All you got to do is pay the shipping. Free bag of Rough Greens right now. Orders yours today. All you've got to pay is the shipping. No risk at all to see if this is the right supplement for your pet. All right? Go to roughgreens.com. That's all you have to do. Just pay the shipping. A free 14-day jumpstart bag for your pet today. When you go to Rough Greens, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com. And you can also give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG, R-U-F-F. I do want to reiterate this, though, because I did appreciate this. And I, I don't know if it was on purpose, it just turned out that way, or it was ironic. After all of the talk, after they finished the culmination of, of, of the Thanos storyline, that they were now going to focus on uh, inclusion and representation, and they were to go full woke, the first thing they come out of the gate with here is a story about a woman longing for the husband and the children she never had. It's powerful. Okay? I thought that was a fascinating first foray into a post-Avengers universe. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.